Welcome back to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. We've got a new sound and a new look. And uh, on today's episode, I'm going to be interviewing Wendy Burton. Wendy, uh, for uh, quite some time, uh, began to uh, informally practice church at a Starbucks. And uh, so we're gonna hear her story of how uh, basically it was like a church plant and uh, for the time that she was uh, doing it had an opportunity to influence a lot of people and uh, I hope you'll be inspired. Let's uh, go to the interview. Let's meet Wendy Burton. Wendy, I'm uh, drinking today from my uh, Starbucks cup and uh... and me too. Yeah, all right. So, you know, I should really talk to them and see if I could get a sponsorship. We just did a did a promo there for them. Anything is possible. I have two Starbucks chairs in my family room that were given to me by Starbucks. Nice mm. leather one. <laughs> well, we're going to be talking about Starbucks today because um, for uh, some time uh, you had uh, have been pastoring people in a Starbucks and uh so we're going to eventually talk about that, but um, before we get there, um, I've I've known Craig and I've known his brothers uh, basically since uh, the early '80s when when I was at Bible College, and uh, in fact they used to live right across the street from the Bible College, yeah. and uh, along the way I knew that uh, Craig married Wendy, but um, I really don't know Wendy so. Um, would love to just kind of go back and reminisce a little bit to start off and talk about uh, your early years. So who's Wendy? Well, um, I grew up in um, a Baptist uh, background. Mm -hmm. My mom and dad um, were both um, saved when they, well, just after they met. And they both came out of really uh, super, super dysfunctional family backgrounds. Like, um, I always say that I've I've been redeemed from Charlie Brown's Christmas tree of dysfunction. <laughs> you know, there's just a lot, a lot of brokenness in my family background. And um, my mom and dad came together and a Baptist minister came past their house every single week for about six weeks knocked on their door faithfully 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 and said hey Fergie and Irene can I just come in and visit with you tonight and after about six weeks they um put their knees on the floor and accepted Jesus and um for my mom and dad um it meant that they lost all the relationships with their family because their families really didn't, yeah their families really didn't um want anything to do with them after that they just, um, it severed all the relationships there. So um, growing up, um, the church became our family. Mm. And that community um, became my aunts and uncles and the people that we spent Christmas with and holidays with and everything else. So um, to this day, all of those people are near and really dear to, to my heart and um, mean the world to me, all that nucleus of, of people that I grew up with. Did you grow up in one town or city in particular? Yeah, so I grew up really in Scarborough and mm -hmm. Church of Life Baptist was my home church. It's now called Morningstar. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just really 
down the street and it was quite ironic when uh, we pastored our first lead church it was really on the other end of the block from the church that I grew up in and I had done bus ministry um, for years with my dad on all of those streets in that neighborhood that we pastored in wow our wow. very first church which was like crazy I was like really God you're calling us here I've never left here so yeah um, called us home to where I'd always spent my entire life doing bus ministry with my dad so Scar Scarborough has always been uh, uh, pretty much urban and, and city, but uh, yeah. changed a lot from the time that you were a kid growing up there, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, it really, really changed a lot. Um, but interesting, you know, once a place has kind of been your home and been your roots, you don't really kind of notice the changes. Mm -hmm. And even when we were pastoring, um, we would do ladies fitness and stuff in our church, and we would do prayer walks and walk about the streets and and sometimes now I look back and I'm thinking oh what you know I listen to the news I'm going yeah not that's no that's just our community yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't even think about it that's <laughs> yeah <just> our, our <laughs> area <laughs> yeah yeah there's a certain uh when when you're living in an environment you get comfortable in it and uh yeah, it's they're your people and you love them yeah. and so you don't think about those other things because they're your people yeah. So, um, so I grew up um, with that family and, and with that faith. And um, in that, um, I accepted the Lord at a young age, nine years old, got baptized at nine years old. They had to stand me on an egg crate because I couldn't, they couldn't see my head in the baptismal tank. <laughs> and um, when I was about 15, though, um, there was a really big shift um, from uh, my dad had a very severe heart attack um, and started on a 25 year journey of illness and 15 to 18 my dad's life was challenged and my mom's life was challenged in those years my brother's life was almost taken and my sister-in-law's life hmm. so over the course of four years um, the Lord really brought me to a place of <clears throat> this is not your family's faith you have to know that this is your faith. Right. And by the time I was 18, I had a real, real significant encounter with God. And I had a wonderful friend at Agent Court Pentecostal mm -hmm. that I went to high school with. And the Lord uh, gave her to me, Cheryl Raymer. And we went best buds to high school. And um, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit just in my bedroom. And mm. he filled me with his, with his, uh, power and speaking in tongues and I had no clue what had happened to me because wow. that was not teaching that I had ever received in my Baptist upbringing right and I remember phoning a friend and, and in of hers you know in the in the Pentecostal experience and and I was like what just happened to me I don't know what happened to me I knew it was good and I mm -hmm. believed it to be true but I just didn't understand the teaching of it so, um, you know, they kind of gave me a crash course in what had happened. And I was like, okay, that's, I, I, um, I want more of that. I know. So, that. so you were in your bedroom by yourself. You were, were you praying, uh, worshiping God? I was God? praying and I was worshiping. Yeah. Um, yeah, just because I was in a place of um, really having experienced so much and needing God so, so much because I mm -hmm. was carrying so much. Right. Um, for 18 years old, I was just carrying so much weight in my family. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And I need God to help me with that. So, um, and he really did. He touched me and he really, really gave me strength. I look back now, he gave me strength beyond and wisdom beyond what any 18 year old would have mm. at that time. So, so something opened up when you were filled with the spirit. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Something shifted. Something shifted in me. And um, they just called me spunky <laughs> when I was 18. Uh, we had a great, phenomenal youth group, and we had a phenomenal young adults group um, in our church. We sent out a lot of uh, people into ministry at that church. Um, but I do remember they called me spunky. And, you know, um, I think it's David Wells says when you, you know, you marry spunky, you get spunky. But um, <laughs> anyway, at that time, you know, I didn't really know how to pursue the Holy Spirit. I just kind of accepted the encounter for what it was. And I didn't know how to go deeper into it. And I just kept mm -hmm. worshiping the Lord and I just kept pursuing um, what was happening. And um, I had a plan to um, go into nursing because I really loved people and I wanted to help people. And um, and of course, my dad had been so sick since I was 15. I spent way more time than anybody should in the hospital, in ICU and everything else. So I had seen that side of life. And I really, my heart really was so open to people and their experiences and, and the trauma of all of that. And I applied to nursing school. I was accepted by three schools and I was already, and in August, of school, I was all set to go. And there was a pause in my spirit, like, this isn't, this isn't right. This isn't what you're going to do. So I contacted the school and I said, I want to change majors. So can I do that? And they said, well, yeah, no problem. We'll just reapply and you can do business instead. And that's, that's what I said. I want to do business instead. So I showed up to school and all of a sudden there were like 150 people like in guidance. And I'm like, this isn't right. Like what's, what's going on? There's too many of us here. So <clears throat> we're all looking around and they said, we're going to move you all to another room. And I'm thinking, this is not good. They're moving us. And then they sat us all down and they said, all of you need to defer to January. You can't start today. And I oh said, what? Like, I'm, I'm paid. You can't be talking about me. I'm paid <laughs> up. You have my money. Yeah. So they said, no, you're all deferred to January. There's been a major problem. We're overbooked. But... And the Lord just slammed that door closed in my face. So I was like, well, I don't know what that's about. So I, you know, phoned home. I said, somebody's got to come and get me. I can't start school today. So door slammed shut in my face. So the next day I went out and I got a job like immediately um, for Ingram and Bell Pharmaceutical Company. And I went to work there crazy, worked for the vice president there um, in pricing for a year. And I wanted to pursue that further. And they said, no, you can't because you're a woman. Oh <laughs> they had they had a policy that I couldn't go into the sales side of pharmaceuticals because I was a female. And I was like, okay, this door is slamming shut. This is 
crazy. And IBM came to me and offered me a job. And I was like, they came to you. They came to me. How'd they know I about had, you? I had applied to IBM and I had said oh, okay. no the year before. Mm-hmm. And I said no. Who says no to IBM? Stupid me. I said no because it they it was going to re- require shift work. And at the time, I was doing ministry stuff, so I didn't want to do that. So I said no. And a year later, they circled around. They said, "We've got a job in the software development lab, and and would would you be interested?" So I said software development and I thought in my head I don't qualify (laughs) so I said yes okay so I uh I did that and I accepted that job so this would have been what late 80s mid 80s 19 or 81 not early man you were right on the right on the cusp of uh the computer revolution I was right there on the doorstep. Yeah. Right step in software development where it all happened. Hmm. Right. I had to sign the non-disclosures, um, mm-hmm. everything. So um that was an unbelievable like turning point in so many, so many ways in my life. And uh, so I continued. I was doing ministry and singing and doing all kinds of stuff that I did in my ministry life and um just really kind of looking forward looking ahead at uh at what god had in store for me and so surprised like so shocked and surprised i was like okay lord i'm not in nursing and i'm i'm not in i'm in business but i got here in a really backward way and ibm was now saying to me so now we'll pay for the education that you want i was like Okay, so here we go. Here I am in software development and IBM is going to pay for my education and here we go. So it was a shock, amazing, amazing God shock. And, um, and I never looked back. So, um, and, and you're still like in your early twenties at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I was the youngest hire. Yeah the youngest hire in the software development lab. And I mean, I looked, I, I was so young that I immediately went out. I mean, I had to buy suits and everything because I looked like everybody's daughter. And um, yeah, it was, it was such a surprise. Like how many, how many years did you uh, stay with IBM? So I'm still with IBM technically. Ah. (laughs) I'm not retired yet. Yeah. Um, but 34 years actively. Amazing, amazing, yeah. yeah. So along the way, um, when did, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I guess, you know, with your, your own coming to Jesus and then your re-coming to Jesus at 15 or 16 and then filled with the Spirit at 18, there was just this, this growth that just kept happening and um uh did did you what was your sense in those early days of what the call of god is for you um like nursing was a way that you were going to uh, express your your walk with god and and serve uh, in the church and like what was 
how would you uh, how would you unpack this whole idea of the call of God for your life? So I had always it was interesting because I I always had this motive that I was going to be helping and supporting people and I just wanted to be that person that came alongside mm -hmm. and made like somebody's day better and improved their life like made it easier so to me like nursing was like the perfect fit right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then when the lord opened up this door at ibm it was very interesting to me because what i ended up doing was i ended up working with executives in a support role and when i did my berkman <laughs> I was very shocked because I thought I was operating in an administrative gift. Mm -hmm. I thought I had a high, high administrative gift, but I actually, I do have administrative gifts, but I actually have a gift that is to, um, for high impact and to make another like to bring other people's giftings into alignment like to help other people mm -hmm. so then all of a sudden it was to make these executives like to make their life easier mm -hmm. so my goal was to make their day perfect so i would walk into work and it was like your day is going to be perfect today I am going to make your day perfect. I'm going to move all the barriers, remove all the obstacles. We are going to have a seamless, perfect day. So I was serving them in, in order to make them have a great day, to make the whole the whole organization that I was serving, have, we're going to have a great okay. day. Well, and I didn't really understand that that was actually a spiritual gift in operation, serving. But I see that now through all of these years. Yeah. And what yeah. was so amazing about it was, um, you know, God supernaturally worked through me because I was working in a highly, highly technical environment. But he gave me capacity to um, function in that environment, even though I didn't have the, that training, you know. Yeah, I think that's that's an important uh, aspect of uh, spiritual gifting is that uh, um, God is at work to uh, uh, open up our our learner, <laughs> yeah. open open up our capacity, and uh, so that we can uh, excel in areas that we would not have chosen for ourselves or thought we would have any strength in, and and uh, and yet that seems to be something that God does repeatedly in people's lives is yeah. uh, this this rabbit trail of the call of god some people knew when they were six years old exactly what they were going to do and that's what they've done uh, but for for the rest of us uh, there's this rabbit trail of discovery and you go yeah. one way and then you go another way yeah so for me it was always about people at ibm yeah. it was all it was always always about the people yeah. So my career in IBM was always about the people. So I ended up 
you know, serving executives. And then I went and I ran the business information center. And then I went and ran education and HR center. Mm-hmm. And then I went to um, customer support. And then I was, became a manager for operations and information and contract services. Mm-hmm. And then I jumped completely uh, divisions. And then I went, became project manager for 15 years on the software side of the house mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. was that became you know in my la- my latter years and mm-hmm. then i then i just really really loved that last especially last 15 years because my teams were dispersed and they were worldwide so they were in asia and um the uk and, and germany um austin raleigh they were kind of dispersed all over the place but it was always about the people because mm-hmm. I got to work with all these great, great people and right. the process and all that other stuff was, you know, something that I, you know, I got to do. I enjoyed all of that, but it was always about the people and the relationships. That's what I, you know, and what we got to do and um, who we got to know and how we got to become friends. And it was always really always about the people and mm. serving the people. So, um that's the amazing thing because, you know, I think at the end of the day, I mean, that's what we're born for, right? Mm-hmm. We are born to share God's heart with people. And because that's what we're born for, then then God just gives us favor for wherever he wants to drop us, you know, and he drops us in places. And then he says, hey, yeah, you know, I want to do that there. So I'm going to put you there and then don't worry about the rest because I'll figure that out. And, and that's kind of what he did in IBM, because I'm like, okay, all right, well, if you're going to put me here, then you've got to figure out a whole bunch of stuff, because I don't know that much about DB2. So you're going to put Mm -hmm. me in DB2, you know, and I ended up working for, um, you know, the executive of DB2 worldwide. She's phenomenal leader, phenomenal leader. I Mm. learned so much from her, so much from her and uh, just world-class leader. She's brilliant. Yeah. So, so you must have uh, a reasonable appetite for learning and understanding, and uh, but because of that people motivation, you're always um, <clears throat> you have a reason to learn, right? Because the more you learn, the more you can serve others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, you know, uh, your life is about people and, uh, and people are great. And one of the great people is Craig. So well, yes, <laughs> he's pretty cool. He's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> so what's, what's the, the Craig and Wendy story? Oh, well, we, we met in a really, like, he was a absolute stranger. Mm-hmm. He's an absolute stranger. And we connected in a kind of a funny way. <laughs> um, yeah, we kind of connected because we had mutual friends at Agent Court. Uh-huh. So uh, we were at Pickle Barrel one night and um, I was there with um, a friend and he was at a table with a bunch of friends that we kind of, you know, my friend and I, we knew people at the table. So we walked over to say hello and so Craig was there and he was sporting a really nice uh, hunter green sweater and he was sitting there and he was balancing a cross pin on his nose. And I was like, oh, <laughs> you do. I don't know you. <laughs> Show 
show off. Show off. <laughs> a guy balancing a gold cross pen on his nose makes quite an impression. But um, anyway, he uh, he called me uh, maybe a week or so later, and uh, we went out, and that was in like January of two of yeah, that was in the January. a while ago. Yeah, a while ago, January of eighty one. I get of uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. In the January, and we were married the uh, next June. Wow, in eighty two. Of uh, eighty. Or eighty one. Eighty six. Nineteen eighty six. You're right. Wow. Well, so um, <clears throat> and at that time, uh, Craig was uh, was he pastoring at that point? No. So the funny story here's the funny story mm -hmm. <laughs> so when craig and i met he was bank manager for canada trust mm. and i was working at ibm mm -hmm. and my dad was very sick at that time and craig's uh craig's dad's an ibm or two and so is my dad we're all ibm stock craig and i went to all the same ibm christmas parties together and wow. never knew each other <laughs> and other little note fact is Craig and I are born on the same day, same year. Oh wow! And we got married on our birthdays. Wow! Lots, lots of Burton trivia. But um, anyway, so he was bank manager Canada Trust, and um, we got engaged in September. And in Canada Trust, because he was on the VP fast track the training thing. Um, we had to go to a gala thing downtown and he had to wear a tux. I had to wear a big fancy thing. Anyway, I remember specifically standing in that ballroom thinking, is this what we're going to be? Because this is so far from what, Lord, I thought. Because I always thought I was going to marry a pastor. Really? I did. Like, way back like when i was 18 at the altar at snow camp and all that kind of stuff i thought that that's just what the lord impressed on me that's what i thought but here i'm standing engaged this guy in a tux in a ballroom in the royal york <laughs> <laughs> and i was like i thought lord this is so far from what i thought this is gonna be and the mm -hmm. Lord said to me, crystal clear, like he was standing beside me. He said, you have the right man. Mm. So we got married the next June on our birthdays. Blowout party, big fun. Yay. <laughs> Went no, away on our honeymoon. Neither of you ever forget the anniversary. No. No. <laughs> Went away on our honeymoon and came back in August, but settled in our little house and everything. And um, Craig came home from work, sat me down and, and said, I really feel like I've got a call from God on my life. Mm. And I was like, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> i'm in yep i totally make that totally makes sense mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Totally makes sense to me mm. so 
we didn't hear we didn't tell anybody yeah. um we uh we pursued some wisdom and counsel from a friend of our or from a someone we really love and trust and that person said get involved in ministry and we did that in uh, youth ministry at my home church actually mm-hmm. and we did that for a year and then in the spring we applied to bible college at masters eastern mm-hmm. and that weekend uh a weekend before i guess one of the weekends um just that we had mailed that away we went to um christian life center in ajax and we had mailed our application on friday and on sunday night we landed at christian life center we'd never been there before and i had just a little bit been struggling because i didn't want anybody to say oh like i felt strongly that i needed to know that it was for both of us right yeah you didn't want to be a tag along yeah yeah and i didn't also didn't want people to say oh that makes sense because of you know you both grew up in the church blah 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 right and we hadn't told anybody so i just written in my journal i wanted the lord and i very specifically had written the things to the lord what i wanted him to say but baptist girls don't say that because we don't ask the lord for things like that because we aren't taught that okay but i would written the lord i said i want you to, to tell me from somebody i don't even know that this is what you have for us so i would written that in the journal and a lady was there ministering on a Sunday night from Florida, a one-legged singer from Florida. I'm not kidding. It was a crazy town. Colin, wow. Gittins, Colin Gittins was the associate there, and he was leading the service. And we were sitting in the service, and the woman stops the service, and she says, I have to be obedient to the service. I have to be obedient to the spirit because I don't often do this, but there's a couple here tonight and they need to know this. And she points at us hmm. and she said, the Lord has called you together. To wow. Serve. Wow. And she went on and she actually said what was in my journal. Wow. Not and I'm getting the goosebumps. Here. And I yeah. lost it. I lost <laughs> it. And unbeknown to me is my brother and his wife came into that service that night. Mm-hmm. And they had never even been in a Pentecostal church before. And I do not know any, I mean, it was only the Holy Spirit that drew them there that night. Yeah. And they witnessed that. Wow. And, I, and I, it was just unbelievable hmm. in that moment. And I mean, I totally lost it because that was, it was just so brilliant for God to do that for me. Mm. Yeah. It was yeah. just so, so brilliant him to do that for me uh, that sounds like him it does sound like yeah him. well he loves us so much right yeah and he knows what you're going to need for yeah. the days ahead yeah. so afterwards you know she came down she said does that does that resonate and i was like oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know and then i when i saw my brother i said don't tell mom and dad you can't tell them we're not telling them and, you, know, you know if we're accepted you can't tell them shush be quiet but um, yeah, beautiful. It's beautiful what God does. Yeah. He loves us so much. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. we started this Bible college in the fall, and before that, 
we started, um, Pastor Tom Richardson and Eileen approached Craig mm -hmm. to come and asked us to be on staff with them. And we said, we can't be on staff with you. We haven't even gone to school yet. And they said, <laughs> he said, no, no. He said, God, God said, he said, we want you to start and be our assistants. And, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense. We, we haven't learned anything yet. And he said, no, he said, I've been praying about this. You need to come and be on staff with us. So yeah. we started in Richmond Hill and Craig commuted to school and I commuted to downtown and, wow. uh, and, and we did. And that Sunday, Craig stood up and started leading the singing. So he went from bank manager to Pastor Craig and I'm just staring. I said, God, you're unbelievably hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> He started calling him Pastor Craig. I was like, whoa, this is like crazy down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So um, just take me on a, a real quick hop, skip, and a jump and in the places that you guys uh, lived, um, you know, from the time you were uh, in Richmond Hill to uh, where you are now. What What's the so uh, progression lived, there? We lived in Pickering and mm -hmm. commuted to Richmond Hill. Mm -hmm. and he commuted to the Bible College, and then we were four years in Richmond Hill. Mm -hmm. We went from there to Agent Court. We still mm -hmm. lived in Pickering, and then uh, we were four years, almost five years in, at Agent Court. Uh, Craig was the assistant pastor there. We had mm -hmm. wonderful, wonderful years there with Pastor Stuart Mulligan and then with uh, Pastor Keith Smith, mm -hmm. and then we were called to Malvern, Mm -hmm. and we were there for 10 years we were still in Pickering <laughs> wow yeah unbelievable we just did this we got closer and closer to our house <laughs> <laughs> we moved a few times in Pickering but we were still in Pickering and then um, when we finished at Malvern um, we did move uh, to be closer uh, from to the district office when we were called to serve mm -hmm. at the district office mm -hmm. we then moved to whitby um because it was just uh really important for me and for our kids i really felt it was going to be important knowing craig's traveling schedule that the kids would have um real close ties to their church home and to their school that they would have that close connection with craig being on the road so much so uh the lord opened up a great door and provided us with a great home and real close proximity to school and to their church home. So we landed ourselves in Whitby. And that's, uh, that's where the Lord opened another really interesting door and changed a lot of gears in our lives. It's at uh, with Starbucks, I believe. It is with Starbucks. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's go to Okay, Wendy, let's go to Starbucks. Tell that story. So interesting thing happened um, because a lot of things changed for us in Whitby. <clears throat> so life changed for us because Craig uh, was selected to serve as district superintendent. And that changed a lot of things for me in my role and what I was used to. I wasn't a uh, pastor's wife anymore, so I didn't um, carry you know the roles and ministry things that I was used to doing and um, in the ways that I was used to serving. So I wasn't, you know, worship team, prayer and ladies and all those kinds of things that I was right. used to doing. 
Yeah, we talked about so, the uh, the box set, right? Yeah, the box uh, set, right? The box set so, of church life, yeah. Of church life, right? So now I was um, superintendent's wife. So mm -hmm. that was a little different. I was on the road traveling with Craig all the time, which I loved. I loved being in all the different churches with everybody and meeting everybody and yeah. um, really, really enjoyed that. But one thing um, that really kind of, I was in my own spirit struggling with was um, what does what does ministry life now look like for me? Because like, who are my people now? Right? Right. You're not in a tight little church community. A, yeah. I don't have a community. Like who's my community now? Right. Cause I yeah. don't, where, where's my community now? Right. Because I don't have my own people anymore. Right. right. So I was in San Diego at a conference with Erwin McManus and mm -hmm. he spoke a word in a room of 3000 people. And I'm not kidding. It was like the lights went out and a spotlight was between he and I. And mm -hmm. in that moment, the Holy Spirit said through him, you need to be deserving of the second cup of coffee in coffee in people's lives. Mm. And it was a spirit-filled word quickened right to my heart. And I wrote it down. And I got on the airplane coming home. And I was like, I don't know what to do with that Lord, word, Lord. Like, I mm -hmm. I don't know how to fill, live that out. Like, I don't know what that means. You need how, to deserve. I need to be deserving of the second cup of coffee in people's lives. Yeah. And I thought, like, it has an edge of a rebuke on it. Hmm. And the more I thought about it, and then two weeks later, the Starbucks in my community opened up, brand new Starbucks in the corner. And I was sitting in the Starbucks with my friend, my best friend. And I was like, all the people coming and going. And I, it was like I was sitting at the altar at Lakeshore Camp. Wow. And I just started to weep. And the Lord said, all of these people are going to hell. Hmm. Unless you are deserving of the second cup of coffee in their life. And he said, you treat them like a bad first date. Hmm. We say hello to people. And if they don't respond, we don't care. Hmm. We don't invest. And the spirit really said to me, you need to act in a way such that they want to be returning and having a second cup of coffee with you mm. that they want to spend time with you that's on you so i see there's this tie between that motivation that you've always had to want to make people's lives better because you're there to help because you're there to serve and then God actually amplifying that intrinsic sense of call, right? 
to to say to you in in a, in a Starbucks of all places where people are coming and going all the time. Yeah. Um, Wendy, here's 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 my people for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I said, God, what do you want me to do? Like, what am I supposed to do? And he just said, show up. Just show up. So I started showing up every morning at eight o'clock. So at that point in my career, I was starting to work from home remotely. So I would work, I would show up eight to nine every morning or quarter to eight to quarter to nine, just depending on what my meetings were. And amazing things started to happen. And every encounter was different. Like he, his spirit, I had learned so much because his spirit is constantly wooing people. And I started to discover if I show up, he will show up too. And around the same time, I was reading the book by Bruce Wilkerson, You Were Born for This, that was like, like, everybody needs to read this book. It will help them so much if they want to align with what the Spirit of God is doing every day and be a part of what God's doing every day. But um, he just started to show up, like, and help me show up with him and I would I would sit and people would sit down beside me and then people started just to share life and we'd start talking about things and all of a sudden we had a book club going and we had a people asking me to like can I come and have coffee with you every Friday and I'm like well yeah sure I'm here on Fridays and and I'm like you know, come any time. They're going, no, like, I want to, like, Fridays, like, can we, can I come at eight o'clock and we'll, and we'll have, like, coffee every Friday at eight. And before I knew it, I had 70 new friends. Wow. That's a, like, that's a small and, church. And I was like, I was like, I'm terrible with names. And I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, I, was like, I got to get organized. <laughs> I, I need to actually write down names and numbers. I, I need to actually get organized. And like my friend, my friends, Bill and Lynn, they started coming in and they were just casual friends. And they were one of the ones they said, well, no, we want to have regular coffee with you. Mm-hmm. And in their journey, Bill and Lynn, Um, Bill was diagnosed with a rare form of Parkinson's and he needed um, transportation to a hospital. Well, as it turns out, my daughter, Emily has a a autoimmune disease and they need transportation downtown. I go downtown all the time with Emily. So I started driving them to the hospital downtown to their appointments and we got, we became friends. And I used to say to them, I said, you know, you can trust in the Lord with this thing that you don't understand, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I put it in terms that they would know it instead of King James Version. But I started to talk to them in terms like this. And we would start to pray about his appointments and pray about the things that they were coming up against. 
And we were on a real journey with him. And then their son's um, marriage collapsed and I helped them get him get into um, counseling for that and get into divorce care and some things like that. Just walking life with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bill passed away. Mm-hmm. And when Bill passed away, Lynn came to me and she asked me to do his funeral. Wow. And I on the phone, I'm texting Craig and I said, Craig, can I do a funeral? Like, I don't know. Can I do a funeral? Am I allowed to do a funeral? (laughs) And as I was texting, the Lord said to me, of course you can do their funeral. You're their pastor. So I did Bill's funeral. And everybody from Starbucks showed up. The whole church showed up to Bill's funeral. Wow. And the whole church heard, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your old understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Hmm. And he will direct your paths. Hmm. And we talked about Bill's illness. And we talked about trusting God for things that you don't understand. And we talked about how can God can forgive and redeem you. And at the end of the funeral, a woman came up to me abruptly. And she said, you know Jesus, don't you? And I was like, (laughs) yes. And she said, I have been praying for you four years I said who are you she said I'm Bill's sister and she said when he was diagnosed he put his hand in my face and said do not talk to me about your Jesus because your Jesus wouldn't do this to me so don't talk to me about your Jesus So she said, I was silent, but I started praying, God, send somebody into his life that he will listen to. And she said, you are the answer to my prayers. She said, for four years, I've heard nothing about, nothing but your name on his lips. Wendy, who I have coffee with, and Wendy, who tells me, and Wendy, who prays with me. And that's what God wants us to do. Like God's got it all aligned and we have no idea what he's doing in the spirit. And he just wants us to be obedient, right? To show up. Like like sometimes we're the person that gets to be the answer to the prayer. And sometimes we're the person that's doing the praying, right? Hi, my name is EJ, and I want to invite you to come to Our City Conference on February 25th, 2023. Our City Conference is an urban ministry training event for people serving in urban ministry contexts. Our cities matter. Our city matters. In the 2021 census, it said that 73.7% of Canada's population live in urban centers. We are intentionally designing this event 
to help give urban ministry practitioners better tools on how they can serve their community better. We are praying that this event will not only encourage you and help you to serve your community better. We're also hoping that a bunch of us can get together and learn from one another. Register today, go to our website, ourcitytoronto.ca. We'll even feed you. Food is part of the registration. Our City, Jane and Finch, February 25th, 2023. See you there. There was another lady that came in to Starbucks one morning and she tapped me on the knee and she said, I love your boots. And I was just sitting there minding my own business, reading my book. And I was reading this book. You were born for this, minding my own business. And I'm like, that's weird. She's tapping me on the knee. Who touches a stranger? Like nobody, right? <laughs> yeah. Nobody touches yeah. a stranger. And then she tapped and she goes, those are great boots. And I said, oh, well, thank you. I got them in Buffalo, the red leather boots. And then I stood up. I thought, I need to stand up. Like, this is weird. I'm talking down. Like, she, you know, so I stood up and I said, you know, I said, I don't know you. Like, are you new in our community? Like, I know most of the people that come in and out. Mm -hmm. she goes, oh, she says, I'm just coming through. And the minute she said through, her eyes welled up. Mm -hmm. And she said, I'm signing divorce papers today. And she said, and I don't want to. And, you know, the Lord gives you what you need. It's not that we're brave, but the Lord helps us. And I just took her by the arm. And I said, let me encourage you. And I just stepped her to the side and I said, can I pray for you today? And the Lord gave me words that were not my words. By his Holy Spirit, he empowers us, right? And all of a sudden, I'm saying words I don't even know about things that have been said over her. And I said, darling, this is not going to be the worst day of your life. You may think that, but today is not going to be the worst day of your life. And the Lord gave me words of comfort for her to pray over her. And then I hugged her and my beautiful barista at Starbucks handed me her coffee and I put it in her hand and I hugged her and she went on her way. So red boots, I came back and I wrote it in my book and the date and that we prayed together that day. Yeah. That's a beautiful, you know, beautiful encounter. You know, so many people, uh, <clears throat> just need somebody to be there right like we don't we don't get to choose yeah. we don't know but we get to be a part of what holy spirit's doing if we will be a part of what holy spirit's doing right yeah now what about what about the uh the starbucks starbucks team like the management and the baristas and and uh like was there uh was this odd for them that, uh, you know, you, you could uh, essentially function like a pastor to a congregation in their place of business? What, <laughs> how did they process all of that? Did you uh, have any, uh, any 
sense of uh, they were putting up with you or they welcomed you or what was what was their take on it at all? Um, well, some of the baristas were Christians, so they were fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> some, well, some of them worked for some of our churches, so they were like, you know, they kind of know that I'm just there loving on people. Mm -hmm. And um, it was interesting because at the time, the Starbucks manager, he came, he had come up from um, downtown and he was used to um, a store that was highly transient. Mm -hmm. So for him, we were in a store that was very community. So people would walk in and we would just say, like, we wouldn't even give our name. We'd just walk in. I'd say, grande decaf, skinny vanilla latte, extra hot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we would just like, oh, you wanted my name. Like, you know, my name, I'm here all the time. <laughs> yeah. And he was, be he was being very overwhelmed by that. Like he was so overwhelmed because we all just walked in. We all knew each other. You know, we'd say our order and then we'd walk over to our chair and go sit down with all of our friends. So he was very overwhelmed by that. And I, and I used to say to him all the time, I said, you're not selling coffee here. You're selling community. Mm. You know? And he'd go, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> I, said, but, I said, but that's what you're selling. I said, the coffee has nothing to do with it. I said, this is community. I said, you don't have a drive through. I said, this is community. People's, people are coming here because they're, they are lonely and they want friends. Mm -hmm. I said, you're in like, that's what you're selling. Mm. I said, people want friendship here. So um, he said, yeah, I got to get my head around that. I got to get my head around that. I said, we'll help you. Said, we'll help you. That's why we're here. <laughs> so did he stay or did he transfer? You know what? He stayed. He stayed. And we we did. We, we helped him a lot. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> we helped him a lot. And, you know, it was kind of interesting because we were there for, well, we were there for a number of years. I mean, I've moved now. Um, we're now in Port Hope. Um, and it was kind of funny because when we moved to Port Hope, um, I did drive back in to Whitby for uh, a little while because I didn't mm -hmm. have a Starbucks out here. Right. And when I drove back in and out to Whitby, I'd go maybe once or twice a week. And um, the Starbucks manager said to me one day, she, you know, whispered me over and they said, Wendy, you won't believe this. They're building you a Starbucks in Port Hope. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. It, was like, it was like big news because the Starbucks was coming to Port Hope. Now it's not quite the same because it's in the, it's in the, a shared space with another retailer, but um, yeah. Uh -huh. laugh at it. But so, it's, you know, it's really, it's all about, it's all about finding a space, you know, wherever you are, where mm -hmm. God is actively doing something and there's a spirit of receptivity with people. Mm -hmm. that you can sit down and you can engage and you can find um, a place to to meet people where they are and find where mm -hmm. their need is and where their hearts are open and then where you can kind of just because you can see their need you can let God do what he wants to do through you you know right because right. it's not it's not about me it's just realizing that god wants to do something and right. we are the vessels that he chooses to do that through right you know and then say like lord you know today use me today mm. and when we have that posture like he, that's what he wants to do that's why we're here we're here to be used 
Mm -hmm. and, and when we put our feet on the floor in the morning and say, use me today, like he's clapping in heaven. He's like, all right, let's all right. go. <laughs> <laughs> I've been waiting for this. I've been yeah. waiting for this, right? Yeah. And that, that's what's exciting, right? Like, mm -hmm. like, let's go. You know, he's, he's, he's more than excited. And I want to go back to something you said earlier about when, when uh, Craig went to, to work for a district and, and now you didn't have <clears throat> the box set relationships within uh, the church in the same way, you know, uh, in, in other prior to that um, with uh, that pastoral relationship to people, there was a certain amount of, um, uh, and I, I, I use the word kindly, but entitlement to speak into people's lives, you know, a, an expectation that, uh, that you're a person of spiritual maturity and, and that, uh, that you're there for the people. Um, then you go into Starbucks where you're Wendy, the coffee customer, and God opens up this, this dimension, this, this community relationship that didn't come with the same set of expectation or entitlement, or uh, it, it was it was a bit of a blank slate as as far as you being there. Nobody yeah. kn nobody starts out knowing. Oh, well, that's Wendy Burton. She's she's <laughs> Craig's wife, you know. Now uh, or oh that yeah she she leads women's ministry or none of that. Yeah, she sings. Nobody knows any of that stuff. And and yet in that beautiful place of not being um, entitled by um, the box set. Right. You know, what, how has this experience changed uh, your life? And, and what are some things that you think that we can learn in how we do church from, from the experiences you've had at Starbucks? Well, I think um, we have to remember um, I think my my experiences at Starbucks have it's changed you in some ways, yeah, it, it has changed me a lot. Mm -hmm. It's reminded me that. Um, I think it's easy for us to slip into a professional <laughs> Christian mm -hmm. eat. Yeah. And we have to do whatever we can to resist that. Mm -hmm. Because <clears throat> the people on our street and everywhere we are don't relate to what we're doing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no they don't they don't <laughs> they don't understand it they don't they, it, they don't so we we have to relate to to them to their brokenness like the message mm -hmm. of jesus has to be relatable to them Mm -hmm. and we have to remember from where we came mm -hmm. at Jesus 
you know, and um, it's hard to it's hard to break off some of the things that we've learned over the years and unlearn them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah. I'm I'm the same because I've you know I even my like my parents raised me because as certain ways because they were trying to shelter me or protect mm -hmm. me from the things that they grew up with right right didn't do certain things right like i you know didn't wear jeans until i was 18 the kind of funny things yeah. like that, you know yeah. kind of funny yeah. things like that but um just to be real and to be hopeful and to be honest and to be caring for people and to actually live life out with them and to actually let people um to walk across the yard with people mm -hmm. like walk across our yard our own yard into the next door neighbor's yard we have to do that mm. we have to know our neighbor mm -hmm. And let them let them know us. Invite mm -hmm. them into our messy house. Let our house be messy. Let our mm -hmm. house be known. Like I realize it more and more how intimidating we can look. How in, you know how intimidating all of it can can look to people yeah. when um, when they're broken. Or when something's not right in their life. And sometimes just sitting quietly with somebody can minister so much to them. Mm -hmm. I have I have one friend who phones me often and usually phones when something's just not right, not quite ajar in their life. They have a son and um their son's about 26, 27 and phoned to have coffee the last week because they've discovered he's addicted to alcohol. Mm -hmm. So making the phone call and having coffee and, and like it took probably 35, 40 minutes to bring up the fact that he's in trouble. Yeah. And that, uh, reveal that mm -hmm. and have that conversation so broken and so hurt and so hope like hopeless like they, they spent a lot of money on rehab for a month only to have that not work after a week right, right? And I think we're so easily, we so easily forget, or we don't even think of how that must feel for a parent. Right? Yeah, yeah. So sometimes our, our cliches and our <laughs> things that we spin off, um, I think we have to be really careful to, um, actually slow down to be a true friend to people mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and to be willing to walk a journey with people 
and to be able to say, you know what, um, let's have coffee. Let's talk about this. Let's look at what resources are available together. Let's walk this out together. I'm going to be your friend. Earning the right for the second Earn, cup. Earning the right, sec, the right for the next cup of coffee with a person. Yeah. And say, I'm going to walk this with you. Mm. I'm going to be your friend. Mm -hmm. I'm going to walk this with you. So now that you've moved to Port Hope, and uh, it's not the same Starbucks. It's a different environment. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure that uh, the, the things that God's been teaching you are transferable. Mm -hmm. And uh, But he also doesn't always call us to do the same thing twice, does he? Right. So be interesting to, <clears throat> to see how God uh, unpacks the next chapter for you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think what he's taught me most through all of that is to live with intention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wherever we go. Yeah. And to respond to what the Holy Spirit prompts you in your heart. Mm -hmm. So even if it feels strange, I walked out of a door yesterday and you know, the Lord said to me, stop and talk to that lady with the dog. Mm -hmm. Stop and talk to the lady because the Holy Spirit told you to do it. Mm -hmm. Even if it feels strange, stop and talk. Get down. And I did. Got down, played with her dog, stopped, had conversation with her. Mm -hmm. I don't have to know what that's about. No, no. You know? Sometimes we're just led by the spirit to be in somebody's life for a moment just to interrupt the crazy cycle of thought that that's obsessing them right right just, just to to show a little measure of love or acceptance or uh humor or something yeah that that just kind of breaks the trance or a hug yeah or a smile like we don't need to know all of the pieces and I think that's one big thing that the Lord really freed me from when he mm -hmm. took me on this journey with Starbucks, because I think I was always, um, there's two things. I think in my childhood, I thought that everybody who didn't know Jesus was like a bad person. That's mm -hmm. not true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think I thought that I was a failure if I didn't, didn't lead every single person I taught talk to about Jesus, they didn't make a decision for Christ. Right. And that's not truth. No. Not no. I think so, about I think about uh, I think about Jesus when he sent out the 70 or the 72 and and he tells them to uh don't take a extra cloak with you. Don't don't take a purse with you. Uh, don't bring extra sandals. In other words, just travel light, travel without all your stuff and without all the things that you think you need in order to be on a mission. Yeah. Just, just go and, and travel light. And then he said, if, if a place uh, receives you and welcomes you, then stay there for a while. Yeah. Don't, don't be in a hurry to get out. 
you know, and, and, and that, that sounds like your journey to Starbucks. It sounds like Jesus put you on a mission and uh, you didn't have to bring anything with you. You just had to be there with Jesus and, uh, and then watch the kingdom of God um, begin to take shape around you. It's yes. And like at the end of the day, it, he gets all the credit, yeah. all the glory. It's amazing. I have one of my friends at Starbucks. The minute I saw her, I was like, she is, I want to know her. She is the mm -hmm. coolest person. The minute yeah. I saw her and it turned out she was like a hairstylist. So it was like, oh, we are like forever friends. And <laughs> she never wanted to be in the book club because she read magazines. She's mm -hmm. like, I don't qualify to be in your book club. So I was like, just come in and just you read your magazine. We'll read books. So that's what we did. We got to be friends. But I had a fall and I had to have emergency back surgery. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, she came to me in a knowing kind of way. And she said, be careful of the medication they gave you. Mm -hmm. But she said it in a way that I was like, I paused. I was like, hmm, okay. She said, just be careful. That's all she said. And then after that, as I was healing, I would go to Starbucks and like, you know, careful, they've given me the chairs now that I healed in. And um, I would sit and we'd visit and stuff. She invited me to a Tupperware party at her house after I was healing. And I was like, I hate Tupperware. There's nothing <laughs> worse than Tupperware in my book. I was like, that's like sending me to the hot place i was like i hate tupperware but because she invited me i was like i will go so anyway sunday afternoon i go to her house i walk in to the tupperware party and she goes this is my spiritual advisor from from starbucks <laughs> this is how i get introduced my spiritual <laughs> advisor and friend from starbucks anyway we go in and I visit, we're having a great time, laughs, all the girls, like her house is full of beautiful women, all from Whippy, and we're having a laugh. We actually had a great time and everything. Great visit. Super afternoon. Everybody packs up, they leave everything. Afterwards, we're visiting, I'm the last one to go. She tells me every single woman in that room was from Narcotics Anonymous. Wow. Every woman in the room was from Narcotics Anonymous. Those were her supportive friends. Only God could have put me in that room. Yeah. And the only reason that I was accepted as a guest, guest was because they knew that I had come through back surgery and had, you know, Oxycontin and all of right. that had done dealt with all of that from and I live with severe pain and have mm. for 11 years I mm. have a crippling pain issue so I to this day I'm still friends with lots of those women and understand them and only God could have done that since then Debbie and her family called me one after one afternoon and they were very very upset because their son was terrified of death 13 years old 
And she said, Wendy, you need to come to Starbucks right away. Like you have to talk to him. I said, well, I'm going to the airport. I said, I, like, I have to be there by five o'clock. She goes, I don't care. 10 minutes. You just have to talk to him. And I said, okay. So I can give you like 10 minutes, but I'm on my way to the airport. So anyway, I stopped at Starbucks and I talked to him. I said, I said, like, I'm old. He's 13. He doesn't want to hear from me. But anyway, I stopped. I talked to him. And I explained to him. He doesn't have to be fearful of death. And this is what God does for us. And and I explained salvation to the kids. I said, do not be afraid of death. You don't have to be afraid of death. And I basically explained to him that he can be saved and Jesus can help us. And I said, but here's the deal. I said, I'm going to set you up with a youth pastor friend of ours who was staying at our house. I said, he's going to call you at six o'clock tonight. He's going to meet you. And I set it all up with him. And I said, then you're going to go to church on Sunday. He accepted Christ. She accepted Christ the next Sunday and her husband accepted Christ the next Sunday after that. They're all serving Jesus. Wow. wow. God how, how lucky they were, how lucky she was to have a spiritual advisor at Starbucks. <laughs> and God gets all the credit, but uh, actually um, <clears throat> the Bible talks about us having uh, a crown that we, we will receive crowns. We will be rewarded for our faithfulness and, and the way that we model Jesus in the world. And uh, we'll, we'll do like the old hymns talked about and we'll lay our crowns at his feet because we'll say, I don't deserve this. Well, and the beauty of it is, you know, when I touch base with her still now, um, She's got a bunch of women that she goes walking with down at the lake in Pickering mm -hmm. and they mentor her. I mean, she's a person too that comes from Charlie Brown's Christmas tree of dysfunction. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. life is not easy. It's not all easily solved. She's accepted Christ, but man, she's got a lot of stuff that she's still working through. And she's got, she's found community with a bunch of women. She walks with them Tuesday and does study with them. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, because you've brought another whole network of beautiful godly Christian women into her life that can devote all of this time to help her continue to grow spiritually. You see that like, that's just what Holy spirit does, right? Mm -hmm. He continues to build and support. Like it's, it blows my mind what God does for people because he so loves us that he just wants to see everybody grow and thrive. So he continues to say, I'm just going to build you up. I'm just going to build you up. I'm going to give you exactly what you need, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what I just see in so many of the stories of people's lives that, I mean, I've, I get to, I've gotten to touch a few people, you know, through these years at Starbucks. And then as I've been able to follow and follow up and I see, and God's done this and God's done that in their life. Like I get to touch them through some coffees and then God just keeps them on the journey and on the path and other people into their lives. I mean, I could go on because there's been so many of them and they, and they continue to be, and I just, I'm amazed at what he's doing. I'm amazed. You know, like we, sometimes people get discouraged going, Oh, like there's not much happening in the church. I'm like, open your eyes. There's so much happening. There's so much happening. The spirit is moving and thriving and we get to be a part of it. It's just so amazing. It's it all, so all depends all depends where you want to look right yeah. yeah and where you want to be and if you want to be yeah. a part of it if you yeah. want to be a part of it you will be a part of it yeah it's so good it's yeah. so good 
Well, Wendy, I want to I want to thank you for taking this time to just share who you are and and uh, these incredible stories. And uh, I know that people who listen to the podcast will often comment to me, and when I bump into them or uh, or they send a note, and they'll they'll just uh, say how um, you know an episode spoke to them in a special way. And and I have no doubt that. Uh, hearing your story is going to be um, just encouraging a lot of people today uh, to, uh, to, to just be open, be open to God and, and let God take you where he wants to take you and uh, be intentional. Like you said, yeah, you know, just make yourself available and you, you don't have to, to come with any entitlements. You just come and uh, watch what God's going to do. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Wendy. And uh, well, this is a good place for us to, to sign off. I've enjoyed having a chat and um, to God be the glory. And right. uh, if you're a little bit afraid, that's good because that's just a sign that um, faith is needed. And that's means that God's a part of it. <laughs> True that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Wendy Burton. On our next episode, we're going to Vancouver, where we're going to meet Ben and Emma Naranyan. They are Australians who felt the call to come to Canada as church planters and currently have uh, three campuses going of the church that they've started. So come on back soon and uh, listen to uh, the next episode. Uh, as always, uh, you can check for links in the show notes at the, at the website, uh, www.sidewalkskylinepodcast.com. And uh, so come on back.